In the 14th century, Italian poet Dante Alighieri penned his masterpiece, The Divine Comedy. The epic poem tells the story of a lost pilgrim who is guided through hell to meet his beloved in heaven. This fantastic journey is also a coded allegory. Hidden in the symbolism is a much deeper story with a map of history that connects Dante's life with our own. This is Dante's history. Inferno, Canto 8 How many are esteemed great kings up there, who here shall be like unto swine in mire, leaving behind them horrible dispraises. To sum up our tale so far, a lost pilgrim and his ghostly guide Virgil are on a holy pilgrimage through hell. They met virtuous shades of antiquity in the first circle, Limbo, crossed the river of woe with a demon ferryman, and followed a spiraling path down through the first area of hell, the area of incontinence, where souls are trapped in an endless cycle of just punishment for their lack of self-control. He met the restless victims of lust in the second circle, and the insatiable gluttons in the third. In the last canto, he passed through the fourth circle, filled with those burdened by an obsession with wealth. Then, the duo entered the fifth circle, where they encountered two types of angry people, the wrathful, with their uncontrolled tempers, and the sullen, whose repressed anger turned into a self-defeating bitterness that leaves them submerged in the mud. The canto ends with the duo coming upon the foot of a mysterious tower. In this canto, the poet rewinds the narrative a bit to recount the duo's journey to the mysterious high tower. They will cross another river of hell, the river Styx, much to the dismay of another grumpy demon ferryman, and the pilgrim will exchange words with another familiar Florentine citizen among the damned. When they finally come to their destination, the entrance to the lower levels of hell, the living pilgrim is denied access, and this time it seems that even Virgil won't be able to help. The canto begins with the poet breaking the linear narrative for the first time. He rewinds to before the duo's arrival at the mysterious tower. He notes that they approached from far away so that the closer they got, the higher they had to look to see its peak. One early commentator believed that the first lines, I say continuing, were a clue that the poet is picking up the poem after a long break. The theory is that because of his political exile in 1300, Dante had to pause the writing of his masterpiece. It wasn't until a friend brought him the first seven cantos of the poem six years later that he began writing this, the eighth canto but many scholars have refuted this traditional belief due to lack of evidence. And now most believe that Dante didn't start the poem until 1306. The pilgrim notices a couple of signal fires nearby and in the distance that seem to be communicating with each other. He asks Virgil about their purpose. Virgil doesn't answer his questions, but instead turns the pilgrim's attention towards something approaching on the water. A tiny boat swiftly approaches them. Unlike Charon's vessel from Canto 3, this skiff is small and not meant for many occupants. The sole pilot seems to think the pilgrim is an escaped damned soul and yells to him. But once again, Virgil speaks on behalf of the pilgrim, 
This will mark the seventh time Virgil has spoken on behalf of the pilgrim. This demon ferryman is named Flacus, another king from Greek mythology who burned down a temple of Apollo in a fit of rage. In the Aeneid, he acts as a warning to those who would disrespect the gods. In other stories, he is depicted as trapped inside a rock or about to be crushed by one, or he is denied access to a banquet and forced to watch the feast. Dante has Phlegas act as a reluctant ferryman on the river Styx. Styx was the name of one of five rivers in the underworld, and the marshy area where the rivers converge has also been called Styx, or the Stygian Marsh. It's also known as the River of Hate, a fitting home for these wrathful souls. As usual, Virgil's words are enough to silence the demon. He allows the travelers on his boat. Dante notes that the boat doesn't seem filled until the living pilgrim climbs aboard. This is yet another homage to a similar scene in the Aeneid. As they make their way through the dead canal, moving through black waters filled with angry and sullen souls, a curious damned soul rises out of the muck and speaks to the pilgrim. The pilgrim informs the punished soul that he is just passing through. What follows is a heated exchange that marks a turning point in the pilgrim's response to the damned souls. The exchange is reminiscent of a style of poetry that was popular at the time, one that Dante was also fond of, called Tenzoni. It was a kind of medieval rap battle. The two participants, often troubadours, would take turns trading insults in the form of sonnets. And the trick was to respond to the insults using the rhyme scheme, words, and or phrasing used by the other person. The pilgrim uses a similar mocking tone with this filth-covered spirit, whom he quickly recognizes despite the black muck. He shows no pity for the weeping soul, who he claims deserves to weep. The damned soul suddenly reaches for the boat, but Virgil pushes him back into the mud, calling him a dog. Virgil then praises the pilgrim for his words, even gives him a kiss on the cheek. He confirms that this wrathful soul was arrogant in life. Like the other angry and sullen, his experience of life was one without goodness. So here in death, his bitter shade is furious and weeping for himself. The pilgrim adds that he'd like to see this man sink into the muck before they leave this place. Virgil notes that he may have his chance. A few other wrathful souls in the mud attack the damned soul, shouting his name while they rip him apart. He becomes so intensely infuriated that he begins to bite himself. Not much is known about Filippo Argenti. Most people believe this is a nickname for a Florentine citizen from the Adamari family. The only descriptions come from stories written about him after Inferno. He was called Argenti, which means silvers, because he put silver horseshoes on his horse. Aside from being rich and ostentatious, he was also said to be tall, strong, and easily angered. Argenti was a black Guelph, and therefore Dante's natural political enemy. Early commentaries note that Argenti's family seized some of Dante's assets and opposed his return from exile. And Argenti is rumored to have slapped Dante once during an argument. As the duo leave Argenti to his eternal fate, the pilgrim hears 
a crying that draws his attention to the shore. As Virgil points out, they are approaching their destination, the city of Dis. The lamentation Dante hears is from its many citizens. Dis, which was another name for the god of the underworld, contains the remainder of hell, including Satan himself. As they approach, Dante points out foreign architecture, mosques, which were the most visible example of a city of unbelievers. The buildings are glowing red due to the eternal fires burning within, as Virgil explains. At last, we have reached the point at the end of the last canto. They reach the deep moat surrounding the walled city, whose walls are made of iron. The descriptions are borrowed from Virgil's description of Tartarus and its iron tower. The iron walls are also symbolic of the type of sinners Dante will encounter from here on. These are no longer just victims of appetite, of their own lack of self-control. These are sinners who are tempered, hardened, and willful. The boat travels a bit down the moat before finally coming to a stop. Phlegas tells them to get out of his boat because they are at the entrance. But blocking the way are thousands of fallen angels who immediately take an interest in the living pilgrim. They are disgusted by the sight of a living thing here in the kingdom of the dead. Virgil signals that he wishes to speak with the demons. They agree, but request that Virgil come by himself, and that the pilgrim leave this place and return down the path he has come, alone. Dante then breaks the fourth wall to express to the reader his extreme discomfort about the idea of traveling back through hell alone. This will be the first of seven instances in Inferno where the poet will speak to the reader. The poet speaks to Virgil, noting how he has saved him from peril seven times and asks that if he is to be denied access to Dis, could Virgil at least guide him back the way they came? Virgil assures the panicking pilgrim that no one can stand in the way of their journey and that he will not abandon the pilgrim. He goes to speak with the demons at the gate. The pilgrim is left feeling doubtful. This mention of seven times is also considered a biblical reference to Proverbs 24, the man who has fallen seven times. One commentator noted that Virgil has actually saved Dante eight times, once in all the cantos except Canto 4, and twice in this canto already. The pilgrim watches as Virgil speaks with the demons, but the parley doesn't last long. The demons quickly retreat back into the city and close the entrance, leaving Virgil outside. For the first time, Virgil has been denied. He walks back to the pilgrim, head low, bereft of his usual boldness. Sensing the pilgrim's concern, he tells him not to worry about his momentary anger, that this is a minor setback that will soon be cleared up. The canto ends on a cliffhanger, with Virgil assuring the pilgrim something else is already on its way to open the gates for our travelers. In the next canto, while our duo wait outside the gates of the city of Dis, they are taunted by Medusa's furies who threaten to turn the pilgrim into stone. Then they will encounter the first of the active sinners as the pilgrim leaves the area of incontinence and nears the area of violence. 
next time on Dante's History. <laughs>